Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the wonderful world of spirits. So we now get to move on to the F. There might be a few more in the F, because there's quite a lot that I wish to do in the F, basically. But anyway, we're going to start off with Fand. The Pearl of Beauty. Origin, Isle of Man. Fand was a sea spirit, or is a sea spirit. Once a bride of Mananan, a powerful king of the sea. They divorced, but periodically reconcile. She manifests in the guise of a beautiful woman, but also as a magical seabird, whose sweet song can lull humans to sleep. She travels among a flock of similar magic birds. They travel in pairs linked by silver chains. Only Fand and her sister Livan are linked by a gold chain, indicating their power, supremacy and uniqueness. Fand is most more famous than anything for the myth involving the Irish hero, Cochelaine, Seeking to capture a pair of these beautiful birds for his wife, of course, he sought the pair with the gold chain. He threw his spear, which went between their wings. The birds mysteriously disappeared. But later, Van den Liban, manifesting in the form of a woman, appeared to Cochelaine in a vision and brutally horsewhipped him. Visions can be real. Cuchelaine was ill and incapacitated for a year. Eventually, following his recovery, Fand sought his help in battle. They fell in love and had a passionate affair, much to the displeasure of Cuchelaine's wife. This seductive, beautiful, powerful spirit is now classified as a fairy queen. She manifests wearing a green cloak. Always a green cloak. The next we're going to look at are the two types of fates. What I mean by that is there is one particular fate that we'll do after this one, where all the fates may have originated. But fates now, well, it's a general term for goddesses who control destiny. Technically, though, it does refer to the Mori, the Greek goddesses of fate. However, similar goddesses exist elsewhere, and the name has evolved into a blanket term for them all. Thus, the norns are also known as fates. In general, fates come in groups, usually three, though not always. Fates mimic the phases of the moon, hence their tendency to appear and triplicate. The new moon is tiny like a human infant. It waxes, reaches full strength and wanes, finally disappearing as if in death. Typically, the fates are the spinning goddesses, they weave a person's fate, as if it were a tapestry, cutting the thread when the tapestry in life is complete. Fates may also be used to indicate birth fairies, although whether they actually control fate, that's something to speculate on. They arrive to announce a subject of debate. <laughs> that's all we can say. Lots of debate. Lots and lots of it. But anyway, the actual fates, second one, origin Greece. The Moray, goddesses of fate of ancient Greek mythology and religion, were banished with the adoption of Christianity, along with the entire pagan pantheon. They eventually re-emerged, although not quite in the same positions of power. The fates of modern Greek folklore are birth fairies, members of Exotica. <laughs> They show up consistently on the third night following the birth of a baby. 
where will they appear? Well, wherever the baby is, that's where. If the baby is at home, then that's their destination. If the baby is in a hospital, they'll turn up there too. Although it may be more difficult to arrange the offering table they anticipate. Lock up the dog, clear a path. Remove anything that could trip or obstruct these little old lady spirits. It does no good to annoy them. Make them feel welcome. Leave them a mode of entry, an open window, an unlocked door. Theoretically, they can even get through a pet door, although this may put them in a very bad mood. These are the formalities, signs of respect. Locking doors and windows won't keep them out, if they're determined to get in. However, a warm welcome puts them in a mood to deliver a happy, auspicious fate, or perhaps to mediate and intercede if the decreed fate is dire. Unlike the ancient Mori, it's unclear what the modern fates decree fate, or just deliver the news. So, how to invite? And, well, what do you do if you know a fate's coming to visit? Number one, leave a light burning for the fates. Candles or oil lamps are very traditional, but they're modern spirits. A small electric lamp works just as well. But keep lights low, not too harsh. Place an offering table in the centre of the room in which the baby sleeps. Set it with three chairs, stools or cushions. The lower to the ground, the better. Burn aromatic herbs in the room to welcome them. Offer them cakes made with salt and honey so that they reveal the fate. Traditionally, only the baby, the mother, and possibly the midwife is able to see them. Give them lots of honey so that their decrees will be sweet. Definitely should do that. Give them a dish of honey, preferably Greek honey, but any will do, with white almonds sprinkled on top. In the morning, wrap up everything in a clean white cloth and respectfully dispose of it outside the house. You are sure to have a visit from the fates if this is done on the third night of a baby that is born of a particular bloodline you know like a fairy bloodline the three fates traditionally manifest as elderly women at least one is always spinning one carries a book to record decrees and one ominously carries a pair of shears they are temperamental and sometimes a little grouchy but can be very kind and generous if treated with Respect and deference. That's the key, guys. You want to treat these like you would treat your grandma, you know. The next is fatit. The singular word for fatit is fati, obviously, also known as Milan. The origin is southern Albania. Fatit are birth fairies. Their name derives from fate Milan, another name used for them. Derives from the Greek mori. Fatita Prete, a fextrum of powerful spirits, tiny enough to ride butterflies. On the third day following a baby's birth, three Fatit approach the cradle and determine the baby's destiny. Offerings to give to these ones are tea, milk and cookies. Also, sprinkle some sugar water on fresh flower blossoms as a treat for the butterfly they mount. Fawn, its origin, Italy. Fawns manifest as men with goats, legs and horns similar to pan and satires. Fauns are among the spirits in the retinue of fauns. Like satires, they have a reputation for being mm, wild, lustful. Artist Franz von Stuck's 1918 painting, 
Fawn, and the Nixie depicts a fawn carrying off an exultant Nixie. <laughs> fawn, also known as Fatua Arid Bonadilla, origin is Roman region. Fauna is the goddess of wildlife, forests, and fertility. She is Fauna's daughter and among these spirits who possessed mysteries, meaning that while certain of their rituals were open to general public, others, the mysteries, were reserved solely for initiates. Fauna is among the spirits known as Bonadilla, literally the good goddess, but also indicating that their interaction is solely with women. Fauna was an extremely important goddess. She was enshrined on Rome's Aventine Hill, but her annual mystery was held in the home of Rome's leading magistrates under the direction of his wife, who was assisted by Vestal Virgins, a woman-only event. Even representations like sculptures or portraits of men or male animals were covered or removed. Fauna's mysteries were secret upon pain of law. Were men curious? They must have been. Legal records exist of a man prosecuted for attempting to sneak into her rights. Her mysteries remain secret and thus unknown today. 62 BCE Publius Claudius Pulcher, dressed in drag and tried to sneak into the mysteries, held that year in the home of Julius Caesar. He was caught. The scandal resulted in a trial, but he was acquitted via bribery. Rumour on the street was that he was conducting or attempting to conduct an affair with Pompey, Caesar's wife, although no evidence indicated this to be true. A Caesar divorced her, famously saying that the wife of Caesar must be above suspicion. A poach was assassinated in 52 BCE. In addition to secret mystic rites, Fauna was also very publicly a goddess of physical healing. The sick were tended in a temple's garden of medicinal herbs, especially a sacred hospital. In Rome, snakes were associated with healing, in general, but especially with women's reproductive health. Snakes, Fauna's sacred creature, were housed in her temple gardens. Fauna is portrayed seated upon a throne holding a cornucopia. A creature is a snake. An element is earth. And a day is December the 4th that commemorates the anniversary of a mystery. There is controversy on whether wine is forbidden from Fauna's rites. One theory is that, because wine was once a taboo for Roman women, any wine brought into Fauna's temple was, euphemistically called, milk. Alternatively, the legend goes that wine and myrtle were banned because Fauna's once got drunk and beat Fauna with a myrtle branch. This may be an euphemism for the myth in which Faunus rapes his daughter, who may also be his consort. As you can see, very, very strange. Hmm. Faunus. Now we move on to him. The benefactor. The wild one. Also known as Lupicus. Roman region, um, region again. Faunus, among the most ancient primordial spirits of the Roman region, well... Eptimizes the generative force inherent in the universe. He is the essence of unconstrained male vitality. Faunus is a woodland spirit, a spirit of the forest and wild nature. He represents the innate fertility of land and people. 
a surging force that cannot be contained, is sometimes described as a grandson of Saturn. Another tradition says that Faunus, or his aviator, was king of Latium, defied after death. Faunus is a giver of oracles, a bestower of psychic ability. People once slept in his sacred groves in order to have their future revealed. His petition to improve human fertility. His sexual vitality is so powerful that just being in his presence may have a positive effect. His petition to heal infertility, male and female-wise. Faunus doesn't know the slightest thing about romance. He is a spirit of unrepressed sexual force and the biological imperative toward procreation. He is the ancient essence of the forest, so primordial that he is pre-verbal. Faunus doesn't talk. He cannot communicate as a human does, but he speaks through the forest noises and the nature sounds. If you petition him for fertility and he visits you in a dream and hits you, consider yourself blessed. Faunus hits women with tree branches or leather thongs to help them conceive. If he arrives and doesn't hit you, hold your hands out, palms up, so that he will. He's not gentle, he's violent, he's a force of untamed forest growth, but he's benevolent and protective at the same time. Faunus is not for the faint of heart. Those who petition him should be aware. His response traditionally comes in the form of nightmares and violent dreams. The good news is that nightmares provoked by Faunus are often a positive, auspicious sign. It doesn't mean to be scary. It's just so wild and primordial that his presence overwhelms, invoking primal human fears and emotions. Because of this, he's traditionally evoked alongside his more articulate civilised allies, his daughter Fauna, and especially Juno, who may aberrate for him. He likes women, although he may become sexually aggressive with them. Faunus sees balance, the over, well he oversees all balance of livestock and wolves, things in the forest that need to be balanced. He may be petitioned to guard livestock from wolves and wolves from people. He manifests as a horned male spirit. He may manifest as a human male with horns or with only his upper torso in human form while the lower bears the form of a goat. Faunus wears a wolf skin. Images of Faunan or Faunus are often mistaken for the more famous Pan. Not the same, guys, it's different. February the 14th, the full moon of the last Roman month, marked the beginning of the Lupercalia, the annual festival honouring Juno and Faunus. The festival began under the Lupercine, the priests of Faunus arrived at the Lupacal, the cave on the Palatine where the wolf nursed Romulus and Remus. Sacrificed dogs and goats were eaten by the priests. Goat skins were sliced up. The Lupacy was smeared with the goat's blood and dressed in Juno's cloak. Torn patches of goat skin, pieces of goat skin were formed into whips. The priests, our special chosen young boys, would run around the Palatine striking people with these whips. Women who were struck were believed rendered fertile. Conception is a childbirth, and healthy babies were believed to be ensured. Women petitioned themselves strategically around the hill to guarantee that they would be struck, usually upon their outstretched hands. The Lupercalia was celebrated until 494 CE. In January 2007, 
Italian archaeologist announced that they had located the site of the Lupercal. Is attributed with a goblet and a wreath. Is sacred animals are the goat and the wolf. Is sacred dates are the 5th of December, the 14th of February, and possibly, actually that's the oldest Roman uh, celebrations because the 14th of February is the Lupercalia. Of course, we now all know it as um, Valentine's Day, right? Yeah, that's not what it was, though. Once upon a time, wasn't that? It was a Lupercalia. Offerings to him should be spring water. It may not be advisable to give him too much alcohol or he's uncontrollable beyond imaginable. Well, as you can imagine, he's uncontrollable, right, without alcohol. So if you give him alcohol, just, just think, yeah. Hmm. Offerings on behalf of his wolves, especially Italian wolves, and attempts to preserve wild nature. Maybe that's why I am like I am with nature, guys. Hmm. The next spirit is Feng Popo, or Feng Popo, also known as Feng Fofo, Madame Wind Tung, origin China. The Feng Popo is the Chinese mistress of the winds. She manifests an old lady who rides a tiger along the celestial road of clouds. The winds are stuffed into a bag she wears, slung around her shoulder. On a day when the weather's calm, she has the winds all locked up. When they get too heavy and her shoulders start to ache, then she releases them. The next spirit is Fergus, Lord of Fertility. Fergus Machroit is his other name, origin island. Fergus is a, well, humorised deity, meaning a deity who appears in myths and legends disguised as a human being, usually as a um, royalty or a hero. Legends of Fergus were written down by monks who loved the stories, but could not in good faith celebrate a pagan god. Instead, Fergus is portrayed as among the primary heroes of Ireland, a superhuman figure. The first syllable of his name, Fergus, is cognate with the Latin vil, man, as in virile. The Fergus name has been interpreted to mean male ejaculation, son of superstellion. Seven fists fit in his penis. His scrotum is the size of a bushel bag. He has voracious sexual appetites. It takes seven women to satisfy him. Or just me. Fergus may be the son of Macha. He is the lover and first husband of Queen Marv. Flides is his consort. Fergus is the foster father of Hero Kuchelin. Invoking for safety, protection, enhanced courage, fertility and virility. Fergus was the champion of Ulster, chosen to escort and bring the epic heroine Deirdre, her lover, Neois, and his brother's home, to the court of Deirdre's husband, King Conchabar. Fergus gave him his word that they'd be safe. They betrayed, and thus the loss of his good word and honour caused him to leave Conchabar's court for Connacht and the arms of Queen Mal. He manifests allegedly as a tall as a giant and possesses the strength of 700 men. He is attributed to a magic sword that stretches as long as a rainbow. His sacred animal is a horse and his lucky number is number seven. Hmm. 
What an interesting spirit indeed. The next spirit that we're going to do is Fortuna. Lady Luck, she who brings origin, Roman region. Fortuna may originally have been the Etruscan or Latin goddess. When the Romans encountered her, they too fell in love with Lady Luck. Fortuna is the spirit of opportunity, fortune, fertility, abundance, and the lack thereof. Although now not as well known as Juno or Diana, she was an extremely significant deity, beloved by the masses. Augustus Caesar claimed that she had adopted him as her favoured son. That was perhaps a bit of a threat to his enemies. If Fortuna favours you, who can harm or defeat you? Fortuna, the original Lady Luck, generally does not correspond to any Greek goddess. She doesn't fit neatly into mythology books based on identification, and so she's often ignored. Athena is Minerva, Zeus is Jupiter, and so forth. So, yet, Fortuna was widely adored. Roman soldiers carried her veneration to England, where she shared an altar space in Gloucestershire with Mercury and Rosmiata. Fortuna personifies good fortune. She rules oracles, fate and chance. She protects married women and is especially venerated by mothers. She controls the energy that leads to reproduction. She does, unfortunately, have a bit of a reputation for being fickle. Fortuna is an oracle goddess. It was possible to have your fortune told in her shrines. She was not specifically a goddess of gambling, more of the fortunes of life. However... She does bestow luck, and it can't hurt to invoke her blessings for gambling success. Fortuna may survive under the mask of Catherine of Alexandria, the saint with the wheel. Her emblem is the wheel of fortune, as in a roulette wheel. She is attributed to a wheel, a rudder. Both can instantly change direction, move or stay still, just like luck. A spinning globe, and also the cornucopia. A sacred dates are the 1st of April, that's Fortuna's holy day, in a guise as Fortuna Virilis, the spirit who causes men to desire women. Wives traditionally invoke her to retain and revive their husband's sexual interests. However, anyone can invoke her for this purpose, married or not. 11th of June was the dedication day of Fortuna's temple in Rome's Forum, Borium. The Fortunalia Fortuna's festival coincides with the summer solstice. Obviously, she had different shrines here, there and everywhere also. Her traditional offerings, what she likes, is a blend of honey, milk and poppies, plus cakes in the shape of a wheel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. So, we're now going to go on to fox spirits. And I know these very well. And they are, to me, they're called kitsuns, but they're also, that's their other name in here anyway. Um, but they're also known obviously as Kitsunes, and that's usually the Japanese name, and Kumiho in Korea. They're East Asia, believe it or not. And I found that fascinating because I've grown up being told stories about these um, Kitsunes from being very young, yet they're not even from our law, you know, and um, they're actually from East Asia. Fox spirits, seductive, sneaky and often treacherous, are staples of modern manga, anime and other forms of entertainment. Once upon a time, though, fox spirits was considered protectors, teachers, providers, sponsors of the occult and alchemical arts. Even now, some fox spirits are saintly and helpful. 
These foxes that serve as Inari's messengers and miracle workers, understood as sacred and godly. Fox spirits may once have been a feature of the pre-Buddhist East Asian shamanic religion. Fox spirits tend to be sexually assertive female spirits. As centuries passed out, society became more conservative. Women were expected to be more modest and subservient, obviously. Fox spirits developed a, ba a bad reputation and became feared, especially in Japan and Korea. Their reputation is somewhat milder in China, although the same sexual associations exist. Fox spirits cause illness and misfortune. They possess victims similar to the possessions by demons or d-books. Fox spirit possessions isn't a ritual possession or channeling. It's involuntary and variably unpleasant. Degrees of fox spirit possession exist depending on the innate strength of the fox and its victim. Some resist better than others. A full possession, a true spiritual takeover, may result. Alternatively, only symptoms may manifest. The symptoms of a fox spirit possession include hearing voices when none should be heard and no one else hears them, insatiable and indiscriminate appetite. The person may eat anything, even food they wouldn't normally eat, even things humans wouldn't normally eat, nocturnal sensations of suffocation and paralysis, increasing facial resemblance to a fox. The person develops a visible foxy snout. Eventually, the fox spirit may push the true individual out and take over the body, mind and soul and personality, either full-time or intermittently. The fox spirit speaks through the person's mouth, often indulging in obscenities, frequently sexual, which the person would normally never do or use such words. Among the functions of Chinese fox spirits is protection of libraries, librarians, libraries, um, archives, things like that. If a book or document cannot be found, ask a fox spirit to help. Make an offering alongside the request. Offerings should be proportionate in size to the importance of the request. Then leave the room for a little while to give the spirit space and the opportunity to work magic. If the fox spirits have cooperated, whatever you're looking for should stick out or somehow draw attention to itself for you to see. Although most fox spirits are perceived as greedy or power-hungry, spiritual motivation may exist, as well as what the fox spirit may really desire is a shrine and daily offerings. The only way for them to make their desire known is through a human mouth, similar to the African czar spirits. Sometimes this is enough to satisfy them and the fox spirit evolves into an ally rather than an enemy. Fox spirits provide for their devotees, although it's generally believed they do this by redistributing wealth. Just like real foxes are believed to raid chicken coops, so fox spirits are believed to rob the neighbours. What they provide for their devotees rightfully belongs to others, but has been stolen. Very ancient fox spirits, however, may have developed the alchemical and magical skills to actually produce wealth. No stealing required. Fox spirits can be exercised by a knowledgeable shaman. However, Gifted exorcists tend to be tainted by their very success. Extortion rackets are suspected. The exorcist who specialises in fox spirit removal may actually be in cahoots with the fox spirit, who may be his servant. No wonder he can exorcise the spirit. The fox is his familiar, who always does his bidding. Independent practitioners are particularly suspect. 
Exorcisms may also be successfully performed at Inari shrines. Fox spirits are attached to specific families and individuals, whom they may serve in exchange for care, feeding, protection and veneration, or perhaps because they are ancestral spirits. Fox spirits runs in families. Families who are hereditary owners of foxes and typically transmit this hereditary power through the female line. Association with fox spirits may indicate vestigial memories of ancient fox-oriented shamanic religion. For centuries, tremendous fear and social stigma have been attached to families rumoured to be fox spirit owners. The fox spirits are not ordinary foxes. They are spirits whose true form is a fox shape in the same way that other spirits take the form of humans, cats, snakes or birds. Fox spirits may resemble ordinary foxes. The older a fox spirit gets, the more powerful it becomes. Age and power may be displayed by additional tales. The most powerful and ancient fox spirits are the nine-tailed foxes. Theoretically, ordinary foxes can eventually evolve into fox spirits in the way that humans can evolve into spirits too. Most fox spirits are shapeshifters. They can take many forms, including that of humans. Often they appear in the guise of a seductive young woman. However, any form is possible. Fox spirits can also shapeshift so that they appear identical to a specific person. Thus, someone may recognise a friend or relative at the door and open it, only to admit the fox spirit in disguise. Fox spirits, a very favourite food of all, is Inari Zushi, fried tofu, um, and aborage, filled with sushi rice. However, you can negotiate their actual diet. I feed them daily because foxes do get very hungry. A brave fox spirit stars in Neil Gaiman's um, It's Yoshitaka Amano's illustrated novella Sandman, The Dream Hunters in 2000. <laughs> I like foxes a lot. I like fox spirits too. A lot. And I don't believe them to be evil or crazy or, you know, like none of that stuff. I, I really don't. I'm sorry. I don't. But I like them. Now, I'm not going to do Freya or Frigg because most goddesses I've done in a goddess section somewhere on my channel. I'm pretty sure of that. But if I was going to do them, I would probably do them in a section of goddesses and gods. But I do have, I definitely have sections of the goddesses everywhere on my channel, in the witchcraft playlist, in the wicker playlist, um, everywhere. So I'm not going to add those guys. We're going to go right into the um, Forina. Now the Forina can have one R or two R's, so it can be Forina or Forina. It's a true skin or Italian, I'm not quite sure. It's the ancient and mysterious matron goddess of thieves and robbers. Her name derives from the same root word as fortune. Furina was not a forbidden or suppressed goddess venerated only by miscreants. She was officially incorporated into Roman state religion. Furina had her own annual festival. She had a priest, a temple, a sacred grove too, alongside the Tiber's West Bank. The site is now occupied by the Villa Scara. Farina may have been associated with a spring in her grove. 
Some scholars theorise that she was originally a spirit of the watery depths. Thieves, robbers are a favourite people. The element is earth, possibly water, at times after dark. And uh, she's celebrated on the 25th of July. Hmm. What an interesting day to be celebrated on the 25th of July. Why does that ring a bell? I'm not sure. Then we'll do uh, Fuji, woman's best friend, also known as Fuji. Classification is a Kamu, origin is Anu. Fuji is an Anu word for fire. The Anu are indigenous people of Japan. Fuji is the original goddess of Mount Fuji. The mountain retains her name even after she was replaced by a Japanese shamanic goddess, Konohana. Now Mount Fuji's presiding spirit. Fuji may have had shrines as late as the nineteenth of the ninth century, sorry, not nineteenth century, ninth century. Fuji is not specifically a mountain goddess. Mount Fuji is a volcano. She's a fire goddess. Fuji dwells in the hearth of every home. The hearth serves as her altar. Offerings may be fed directly to the fire, known as the woman's best friend. Fuji protects reproductive health and bestows fertility, an ancient ritual to counteract infertility involved having the barren woman lie on another woman's fresh afterbirth, while a circle of women surrounded her, invoking Fuji's blessings to allow her to conceive. She also protects children. Fuji's essence is contained in fireplace ashes. These may be collected into small bags and worn or carried as protective amulets. So her elements fire. She really likes to be offered millet beer, rice beer, and a well-tended flame. With a bean, obviously. Fire. And that is all the spirits that we're going to do in the letter F. I hope you've enjoyed them as much as I have. Please hit the like, share if you can. And if you're not yet subscribed or following me, whether you're on a podcast or on YouTube... Please do so. It's completely free and it really helps me grow. Many blessings.